6 and verse number 25. Let's stand together as we read this together. Amen. I want you to, I want you to take a special note to these three words, take no thought. Therefore, I say unto you. Now, let me just stop right there. Anytime, anytime you start out a verse with therefore, if you'll remember this, watch it therefore. Because it always links to what he's been talking about in the entire chapter. So if you're a Bible student, anytime you see the word therefore, you really ought to stop, back up, and see what he's been talking about, what he's, what he's been addressing. And if you did, you would, you would find he's been talking about possessions and wealth and what the Bible word calls mammon. Alright? Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat in the body than raiment? Behold, again, it's one of those words that if you're a Bible student, when you see the word behold, it is God saying, wake up, stop, pay attention. I'm going to tell you something. It's God's way of exclamation. Behold. So we need to, when you see that word, behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, again, taking thought, can add one cubic unto his stature? And why take ye thought, again, taking thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What we shall eat, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, whether withal shall we be clothed. For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Last verse, take Therefore, no thought for the morrow. For the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto day is the evil thereof. Let's go to the throne of grace and ask God to meet with Brother Joey. How about you praying? Amen. You'll be seeing him. Several years ago, Chick-fil-A come out with a, a very novel ideal. If you go to Chick-fil-A, maybe 
10, 15 years ago, you would have, you would have addressed the person behind the counter, and they may have said, as they said to me at Wendy's the other day, no problem, no problem. And, um, but after I got to stopping at Chick-fil-A, if you stop there, they'll say, my pleasure. It's my pleasure to serve you. I've often thought about stopping at Wendy's one day when they say no problem, asking them, well, would you still serve me if it was a problem? Ideal, Ben, is just in words. But the Bible word here says, take no thought. It is like God saying, no worries. No worries. It is the ideal because the word take no thought actually means fretting, anxious, worry, burdened with cares. It means to be divided. It means to be pulled in different directions. It means to be split into factions. Literally, worry will emotionally cut you into pieces. Studies have found the most dangerous day of the week of having a heart, more heart attacks, the most dangerous day of the week to have a heart attack is Mondays. It's Mondays. Isn't that interesting? As a matter of fact, someone has said the average person crucifies themselves between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. And I'd say amen. Now let me say this. The Lord is not in any way, shape, nor form advocating here that we're to be lazy and unconcerned and, and not planning or thoughtless. God is simply saying, y'all not worry about it. It is the ideal that worry takes the joy literally out of our life. First Timothy 5.8 makes this statement. If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith is worse than an infidel. That word infidel is a lost man. So God's not saying this haphazard, I don't care attitude. God's not promoting that at all. Because God said, if you won't take care of your family, you're worse than a lost man. He went in Proverbs 6, 6 and said, said, Go to the ant, thou slugger, consider her ways and be wise. But, you know, if we really got honest about the thing, most, most of our worries are not attached, if you will, to what you and I would call true necessities of life. As a matter of fact, Oh, this is going to be a shock. Are you ready, Jessica? Yeah, I'm going to give you some great news. There was a day we, did, we survived without cell phones. Whoa! Can you believe that? There was a day. How many of you remember when the phone was on the wall? Praise God on the table. And, we served, and, and, and you know what's amazing? We, we have a generation that believes they cannot survive on a cell phone. I, I'll never, I will never forget me and Barry went to visit a feller and, uh, and uh, he, he could stand up and dodge for this. 
And he wanted me to pay his light bill. And I was talking to him. And I said, well, man, he, he was working. He said, I can't pay my light bill because my cell phone bill is $275 a month. Is that not what the man said? And God help us is what he said. He said, I would cut it off, but my son would beat me up. And I thought, you, you know, you need to, to take a hammer and bash it so your son will come beat you up. Let's God grow a backbone. Let's move on. And needless to say, I didn't pay for his, his, his light bill. I said, well, what you got to do is let the lights go out and decide, praise God, how you're going to charge that cell phone with no power. Anyhow, the word, the, the, the word worry literally is a German word and it means to choke or strangle. It is the word that Mark 4, 7 says, and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew and choked it and it yielded no fruit. Now I must confess, in days gone by, I have, um, I have been a chronic warrior. I mean, I, I've worried. I must confess, I, I probably preparing this message, I thought, man, uh, especially years ago, now I'm, I'm, now I'm at an age, I, I don't worry like that. But it took me many years to learn this. I love this. I went to a seminar one time and literally I won a book <laughs> And it, and, and it was a giveaway. And uh, they called my number. And the book was How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And, and I'll be honest with you. Apart from the Bible, it become one of the greatest books I ever read. At one time, I worried so bad. And many of you will remember this. I worried so bad that literally I would just bleed. The ulcers just bleed. I would just, I would just bleed. Un- unbelievable. And... Uh, and uh, I remember the doctor telling me, he said, I don't know what you do, but whatever it is, you're going to have to find a way to deal with it or you're going to bleed to death. But I, I began to realize very, very quickly, because you see, the devil wants to put us in a stranglehold of worry so we won't be fruitful for the glory of God. Now, I wonder tonight how many in this room, don't, don't you dare be bashful and leave me standing up here as I'm the only one that worries. How many of you, that has been a problem for you in days gone by or even now, how many of you worry? Praise God. Amen. Now, now one of the most blessed things I have is, I have a wife, I don't think she's worried a day in her life. I don't know if she's ever worried. But the reality is, that's been an issue. And so tonight, tonight I want us to take the Word of God, and if you will, if you will apply the Word of God to your life, it can stop you from worrying, and it would be the greatest thing you ever did. It could be the greatest thing, the greatest gift God ever gave you. I love this story. Three men died, and they're waiting at the entrance at the pearly gates. The first man said, I preached faithfully for 50 years. And St. Peter said, okay, step aside for further consideration. Second man said, I preached for 40 years faithfully. 
He said, step aside for further consideration. The third man walked up and said, I wasn't a priest. I never did preach. I was an IRS agent for six months. He said, come right on in. And the first preacher said, man, why did you do that? that that's not fair. He said, sir, you've got to understand something. He scared the devil out of more people in his lifetime than you did the whole 50 years you preached. I said, amen. Isn't it amazing? We tend to worry about things that have no real eternal significance. Do we not? Six things about worry tonight. If you'll get these, and if it really finds a place in your heart, it will, it will truly, I'm honest with you, it could transform your life tonight. And you wouldn't have to worry. You, you, some of you, your hair has still got color to it. You wouldn't have to wait till you're white-headed to learn this if you listen closely tonight. Number one, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Behold, pay attention, behold. God said, here's what I want you to do for worry. The fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Now I've got to ask you a question. It's real important. How many of you have ever seen birds on antidepressants? How many times? How many of you have got a bird feeder? Praise God. How many... Antidepressants do, do you put in their feed? How many have had nervous breakdowns in the last six months? How many have you seen sitting on a wire, worried, and they, and they, and they chirp out something like, I, I, I'm so depressed, I'm so worried, I don't know what's going to, we're going to starve to death. How many of you heard that from a bird? Not a one. You know what God is saying? God is saying, if you'll just look to my creation, there are absolutely millions and millions of birds. I read somewhere and I, I tried to find it and I just, just couldn't find it. But it takes something like 500, 500 trained boxcars to feed all the birds in the world per day. And I want you to know since the day of creation, my God has not missed a day Feeding those birds, not a day. Not a day. Psalms 50.12 said this, If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Our worry, our worry is for the most part very unnecessary. God's creation teaches us that God's power and wisdom and his care. And he said, if I feed all the birds in the world, don't you know that I care more about you than I do the birds of the creation? God says, don't you, don't you understand? I care more about you. Are ye not much better than they? And, uh, and he tells us, he said, watch and see. Now, God, God's not calling us to be uh, lazy and, and, and not working. As a matter of fact, 
I, I love this. Some argue that no creature in creation works harder than birds. They gather food from morning to noon. As a matter of fact, God's provisions have never been intended to make us lazy. As a matter of fact, God went on to say, praise God, that, that if you're lazy, you ought not eat. Uh, uh. In Bible days, we might want to go back to this. In Bible days, they would plant the fields square or rectangular. But when the owner went to harvest that, he would harvest it in a circle. And what he would do would leave the corners for the poor. That's where they got the gleaning from. They could go to the corners. And by the way, by law, they could not go into the corners. That was for the poor people. That was for the needy people. But don't miss this. They had to go get it. They had to get out and glean for it. Amen. And so God's not saying that. But God is saying this. God's saying it is unnecessary for us to worry because he said, just watch the birds. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Some may ask, Switch we're to trust God all Christians to have insurance. I asked, I've been asked that question. Insurance is just a tool for our care and provisions. But First Peter 5, 7 says this. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. That word casting means to throw down. It is a deliberate act of our will. God wants us to willingly throw our cares upon Him. So first of all, worry is unnecessary. Number two, it's unprofitable. It's unprofitable. Matthew 6, 27, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto his stature? A cubic was 18 inches. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that worry is a waste of time because it accomplishes absolutely nothing. The word stature, it carries two great meanings. It, it, it carries the ideal of your height. Now, uh, me and Tammy's having this debate about how tall I am. She says I'm not much taller than five, six and a half. I said I'm five, eight. And, uh, but the truth of the matter is, I can worry from now to Jesus comes, and I want you to know something, it's not gonna add a, it's not gonna add anything to my heart. It's not gonna profit anything. The word stature, though, has another meaning. This is interesting. It means a lifespan. It has the ideal. You can worry all you want to, but you won't add to your life. Job 14, 5 said this, Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. 
Those worried about getting sick usually get sick. Those worried about losing their job don't perform well and end up losing their job. Those who worry about gaining weight eat more and gain weight. Worried can't change the past. It can't change the future. And worry is totally unprofitable. You gain nothing by worry. What we ought to do is what James 4.13 said. Go to now, you that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there year and buy and sell and get gained, whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow. But what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. It's unnecessary. It's unprofitable. You gain nothing by worrying. Number three, it is unfaithful. Matthew 6.30 Wherefore, if the God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall ye not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith. To help us, to understand the stress and the grind of worry, he moves us now from the fowls of the air to some flowers. He moves us, and these, these flowers were called scarlet poppies. And here's what's interesting. They bloom one day a year. One day. They're called scarlet poppies. And when they bloom, it is the most beautiful sight you will ever see in your life. People write about it, say there is nothing more beautiful in that day when they bloom than when they, when they that day, the day they bloom. Say it is absolutely beautiful. And the next day, they're in the oven of the Palestine desert and they literally dry up and fly away. Here's what he's just saying here. He's just saying, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. And that's exactly what happens. And it's one of the most miraculous things that they've ever witnessed. And you know what God is saying to us and to you and I here today? He said, if I can do that on a desert hillside and have flowers to bloom and Solomon can't even compare to the glory of it and the next day put them in the oven, why are you so unfaithful not to believe I can do whatever's needed in your life? Now, I want you to be careful, and I'm setting you up here, so I'm giving you a fair warning. How many of you believe? Now, I'm going to tell you again, I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up, so you're not going to get side, I'm not going to blindside you. How many of you believe with all your heart that Jesus, when you die, you'll be in His presence, and you'll, you've got a home, in, an eternal home in glory. Praise God, the street is gold. The, the gate is one big, humongous pearl. It's got 12 foundations, and it's beyond anything you can imagine. How many of you really believe that with all your heart? 
Really? Here it comes. You're right. You, you, now, how, how, how many really believe that? You really, really believe that? Really? But you can't believe God to pay that $100 light bill? You can't believe God to touch that child that's wayward? But you, you can't believe God to touch that need that nobody knows nothing about but you and God? You, you don't believe God can change a life? And, and you, <laughs> I, I gotta ask you again. Do you really believe that God's going to take you to heaven and it's a beauty? He's got all, you believe that, but you can't believe God to give you that job that you need, that mate you need for life. Young people, are you listening? That boy, that girl that you need for life, you can't believe God to do just that? Hey, you can't believe God to give you strength to, to, to do that job that you need. Isn't it amazing how quickly we can become unfaithful? In other words, we believe by faith. How many of you seen the street of gold in a, in a gate of pearl and you turn on the 12 foundations and it's all different colors. And I'm going to preach on heaven for a long. It's all different colors. It's the most beautiful place. And it's enormous in size. And, and how many of you have been there? You ain't been there. So let me ask you a question. Do you really believe it exists? Do you believe it's there? Amen, I do. And that's faith. And so by faith, I've got to believe God to add who He needs to to our church. I've got to believe God to pay the bills. I've got to believe God. I'm honest with you folks. I've got to believe God to touch some in our church that are, that are sick tonight. I, I don't know about you, but I pray believing God. I'm praying for some of you. I'm calling some of you out by name and asking God to do some things for you. So when you start getting trouble at home, you get worried, what's going on with me? Somebody's praying for you. I, I'm asking God to do something. And because it's unfaithful, when we worry, we're saying, Well, I'll tell you what's the truth. Hallelujah, I'm going to heaven, but I don't know what I'm going to do about that meal. That's unfaithful. And it's, it's, it's unfaithful. Number four, I like this one. Well, I'm back up. Unchristian. Unchristian. Matthew 6, 32. For all these things... Do the Gentiles seek? Now, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. The Gentiles he's talking about there, in that day, in that hour, were those that were lost and had no hope for eternity. The Gentiles there were the pagans. They were the, they were the lost. They were the wicked. And he said, he said, you're seeking those things that the, that the Gentiles seek after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And here's what he's just saying. He said, you're acting like lost people when you worry. And boy, that challenged me. Man, that kind of got that one. Uh, 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 uh. Brother Joe, I, 
I had to back up on that one. Think about that wrong. That's acting like a lost person when we worry. Because what we're saying is, we're saying that God doesn't know what I need, that God doesn't care about what I need in my life. It says that God doesn't care about our church when in truth of the matter is He does. He does. Not only does He care today, but praise God, He cares so much, He's going to give us eternity. God's not got in mind of, of you tonight just on, on, uh, on a February the 10th, 2016. God, no, 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 no. Brother George, from the month before you was ever born to the time Jesus takes you home, He's got eternity in mind for you. He's got the whole world. He's got everything. He's got forever in mind for you. He's got eternity in mind for you. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to act like a lost man because the world is worried to death, and I can prove it. Right now, one of the highest, highest pharmaceutical drugs sold today are antidepressants. And I've read this, and I'm glad Kenny's here, but I read an article one time said right now, as many as a fourth of the calls that the EMS are getting is because people are depressed and over-medicate themselves. Is that true? People, people don't know what to do. And they're stressing out. And they're troubled. And they're anxious. And, they're, and, and you go to the doctor and, and you'd be surprised at the times you go to the doctor with chest pains and they'll say, well, you're just having anxiety attack and we're going to put you on antidepressants. It is, it is, it's unbelievable how much medication, antidepressant medications are being sold today. You know why? Because they got no hope. They got no one to turn to. We have done something in our nation that's just been unprecedented. It's, it's the most amazing thing I've, I've ever seen. It, it, it's just absolutely amazing. We have, a, we have literally destroyed the loyalty in our nation. There was a day, and, and young people, you need to listen, because this is so important. There was a day that a man could go into a factory, and if he's willing to work hard, he could work there for 40 years and retire. And I mean, he'd done a good job. He worked hard. He'd done a good job. And when he retired, he would have a pretty decent retirement. And he could work himself. If he's willing to work, he could work himself up. And for the most part, he could retire there. He was loyal to the company, and the company was loyal to him. But when they sold out our jobs, they destroyed the loyalty in our, in our country. How, how long was you at, uh, at Century? 34 years. And when he had a heart problems, heart issues, they didn't waste no time exiting out the door. No loyalty. No loyalty. See, we've destroyed that. And what's happened now is this. That has bled down into our homes, into our churches, into our relationships, and there's very little loyalty anymore to much of anything.
And because of that, we've destroyed something else. We've destroyed that person that there's... We're living in a world with no hope. No hope. Praise God, I've got a hope. I've got a hope. Worry is essentially a distrust in God. What you're saying by your actions is, I can't trust you. And I want you to know what a sad place to be. Notice what he said. O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. i got to move on. Not only is it unchristian, but it's unrighteous. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus walked into a house one day and He... And he loved these ladies. I mean, he loved them tremendously. And uh, one's busy cumbering in service. She's busy, busy cumbering. She's doing good. She's doing right. But she's busy cumbering in service. And the other sister is sitting at his feet, listening to every word he has to say. And listen what she said. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus looked at her, said, Martha, Martha, you're busy, busy, busy about a lot of things. But Mary has chosen the best thing. And it's not going to be taken from her. Here's what we mean when I say it's unrighteous. Put me first in your life. Let me drive and get in the back seat. Elijah, he's not driven, he's not had his license yet, but he's got his permit and he's a pretty good driver. But they have one problem. He thinks he can outdrive me now. He thinks he can drive better than I can now. He's always instructing me how I ought to drive. Amen. So when I wrote this, I thought about him, and the next time I'm going to say, let me drive and you get in the back seat. You know what God's just saying? God's just saying, let me drive. Put me first in your life. You know, I've, I've tried my best down through the years to, to help um, our church to understand this great principle. Putting God first. It, it is the ideal of saying, not just something you do, but a lifestyle. It has to become something more than you, something you just do. Because if you do it, you're always questioning well, should I do this? Should we go to church? Should I tithe? Should I, should I be in Sunday school? Should I, should I do this? Should I do this? No, 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 no. If it is a lifestyle, it is just something part of your life. It's just part of your life. And, and, and that's what God's wanting. 
and it's unrighteous. He said this. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, not yours. The Bible says, our righteousness is like what? What? Anybody know what those filthy rags were? Filthy rags was when the lepers, they would, their skin would rot and their body parts would fall off. They would take a white rag and they would nail it on top of a post. And whenever the leper colonies, they would go by and they would wipe, wipe the pus and stuff off their hands and rotten flesh and, and fingers and, and all that kind of stuff. And it would stay there for them to wipe themselves when... That's filthy rags. Now, I hate to hurt your feelings, but that's, God's, that's what God thinks about you, your and my righteousness. Man, that knocks the props out of all these people who think there's something. Don't it? Boy, that knocks the props out of all of us, don't it? I mean, that, that just knocks the props out of everything. When God says, you know what, let me tell you what I think you're... Gentle, nasty, rag of us got... Fingers and, and body skin, nasty, putrefied, stinks. He said, that's what I think about your righteousness. But God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then God said, I'm, I know you've got a lot to be able to pay. I know you've got to have food. Hey, hey, Mom, I know that son you're praying for. I see the tears. I read this... I read this and it blessed my heart to know this dear woman. She's burdened about her son because he was always going out partying and, and drinking and carrying around. And so one night she got so burdened. He wore, he wore penny loafers. And uh, if you don't know what penny loafers are, come see me after service. Now I'll tell you, amen. He wore penny loafers. And at that time, and he was popular. And so she got down to praying and she wept till she filled his shoes full of water. He come in that night from come in that day from work and as he always did, he cleaned up and he put his shoes in there and he began to start ranting and raving and cussing. Come in there and said, Who poured water in my shoes? She's cussing, you know. And she said, Son, that ain't water. She said, That's my tears while I prayed over you tonight. He stomped out of the door he went to the bar. He'd done what he wanted to. But you know what? He just couldn't get away from it. He just couldn't. He just couldn't. He couldn't enjoy it. He just kept the ring. And son, that's my tears I prayed for you tonight. And he just couldn't get away from it. And on his way home, he fell into an, an old mission. And there was a preaching the word of God. And he got saved. He went home. Got his mother up. He said, Mom, you don't have to worry no more. I got saved tonight. Do you not know? Do you not know? There's a God in heaven that knows every need you have. Hey, Mom, do you know God knows that daughter that needs that touch? See, we're not talking about our righteousness. I, I believe I believe we got to do something here, and, and, and this will help us all tonight. We're not going to bring we're not going to bring anything to God that impresses Him. God's not going to stop and say, "Whoa, you done that!" It's not going to happen. Let me tell you what impresses God. 
Let me tell you what impresses God. Master, my daughter's grievously vexed. Would you heal her? Ma'am, the meat's not to be given to dogs. In that day, the Gentiles were considered dogs. His meat was to be given to the nation of Israel. And she said, here, here in righteousness, she said, Lord, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Now, I, I can't prove this, but I believe she got on all fours. And I believe she said, but you know, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. You know what she's saying? She's saying, I ain't bringing you nothing but I'm believing that if you'll push a crumb, if you'll push a crumb off the edge of the table, that's all I'll need. And my daughter can be healed. And you know what he said? He said, whoa! God said, whoa! I've not seen such faith. He looked at her and he said, honey, I guess you'll just get what you need. You know why? Because she didn't hang on to her righteousness. She hung on to his same story with the woman that had the issue of blood. Same story. She didn't go with her righteousness. She said, I'm going to tap into His. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then God said, all these things shall be added unto you. So it's unrighteous. So it's unrighteous. Oh my goodness, I love this. A young boy was driving a hay rack down the road and Turned right over in front of a farmer's house. And the farmer come out and said, Son, don't worry. We can fix it. He said, Right now dinner's ready. So come on in and we'll just eat. He said, No. He said, My father's going to be very angry with me. He said, No. He said, he said, no, yeah, it'll be okay. We'll fix it. I promise we'll fix it. He said, no, you don't understand. My father's going to be... He said, now, son, don't argue with me. Dinner's ready, so let's go ahead and eat, and you'll feel better. So afterwards, he went in, and yeah, and he come back. I said, now, do you feel better? He said, well, yeah, but my father's going to really be angry with me. Son, we're going to fix this. Why is he going to be angry with you? By the way, where's your father? He's under that haystack. You know what we need to do tonight? Some of you need to get God out of the haystack of how you think you ought to work. Y'all just let God be God. Y'all to seek Him and His righteousness and just say, God, you, your will be done. Your will be done. Quit di- dictating God's will. But God, you didn't do it this way. I'm done. God wasn't going about to do. God don't work that way. God's not subject to you and me. We're subject to Him. He comes and He says, "It's unrighteous." Then, last of all, and, and you really need to get this one. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto day is evil thereof. Our worries and our fears 
Do not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. How many of you, and you can be honest, because God knows I've spent too many days here myself, I have worried about something all day long, only to wake up the next day plumb exhausted from worrying about something that I just didn't need to worry about at all. Truth of the matter is, we all just take one day at a time, love God in that day, and just realize it's unhealthy. As a matter of fact, a, a noted doctor with the Singer Clinic said this. He said, if all my patients stopped worrying, he said, my business would drop by 90%. Wow. It's unhealthy. It affects every part of your body. It affects your heart, it affects your lung, it affects every part of your body. So, if we want to rob the effectiveness of today, then what we've got to do is, we got, it, we, if you worry, it'll rob today of its effectiveness. What we've got to do is, it's unhealthy. It doesn't work. So what does work? Three words. I'm going to leave you here tonight. And these three words, if you'll get these three words, it'll, it'll do so much for you. Word number one, faith. Trusting God to meet our needs. I, I, and I'm, I'm just, I'm pleased. And I don't want, I don't want, I, I'm not, I want you to be very honest with your heart. Don't, don't be deceptive now. We've got some young people watching, looking around. Hey, young people, are you paying attention? Looking around. And, and I, want to, I want to see truth. How, how many of you can honestly say, I worried a lot. But it was all wasted because God came through and provided. And I didn't have to worry about it at all. How many of you can honestly say that? Some of you need to get a hold of that. It's just been amazing how God has just done that over and over and again. If I started to tell you tonight how much... If we, if we could... And it would just take so much time. We, we could take the church's checkbook. We could take this church's checkbook. And, and we could just fold it out for, for you the last, the last 10 years. You, you would just be amazed at how God has... That, that's, a, that's a monument to God's great hand. Over and over and over again. First word is faith. Trusting God to meet our needs. Second word... His father, no, he cares for his children. If you're saved tonight, you have a heavenly father, and he cares for you. How many of you fathers, if you would, would do whatever you had to do for your children? I mean, it'd be something, they'd be, I, I love this. I, was, I come up here to the, to the choir, and I, I, lo- I love this. I love this. Come up here and little Braden said, Right back at my mom and daddy, you see him, you see him. <laughs> I love that. Now you know what that tells me? That tells me, number one, he knows who his daddy is. His mama is. Number two, he ain't worried. He ain't worried. He's stressing out. He, he, he's not stressed out. You know why? 
Because you know she's going to be cared for. And, and that's what we got to learn. We, we, really need to, we really need to take a lesson. To, to under, just, just watch them. They, they don't worry. Because they know they're going to be cared for. Because you've got a father who cares for them. And you and I have a father tonight. Number three, first. First. Putting God first in our life. That he might be glorified. First. Putting him first. Someone has said this so well. Sorrow looks back. Worry looks around. Faith looks up. Mark Twain said this. I'm an old man. I've known a great many troubles. But most of them have never happened. A.J. Ironside said this. We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. Most of our worry, most of our worry is way beyond necessities. God promised necessities. Most of our worries is trying to hold on to this or that. Truth of the matter is, we needn't ask God about it to begin with. May I say tonight, worry is all those things, unnecessary, unprofitable, unhealthy, unrighteous, unchristian. So I don't know about you, but I purpose in my heart today again, and i got to do this all the time. I'm not going to try to put myself on a pedestal. I'm going to get down here with all the rest of you because I, I, again today I said, God help me to just believe you and not worry. So I'll stand to her feet.